Amen. Well, y'all, I'm really, really pumped about what I'm going to be sharing with you this morning. Um, if you haven't been here the last several weeks, I'd like to kind of catch you up to where we're at. We're in the middle of a series called, help me out, Clawson family. So we're in the middle of a series called Back to the Basics. And this series is all about getting back to the foundational pieces of our faith that cannot have cracks in it. Okay. Anybody ever built a home? Anybody ever paid somebody else to build a home? Okay, so that would be what I would do. Listen, um, uh, so but listen, when you build a home, what's the most important part of the home? The most important part of the home is the foundation. I can remember because we did this when I was a kid. My dad has built tons of homes. I can remember all of the time I would tam- take that tamping thing or whatever it's called and have to take and smack the dirt. That's before they had, you know, those, those other kind of like take this wood piece and, and get out there. And, and, and we would run all this crowbar and we would do all these things, setting the foundation. Because if you do not take the time that you need to set the foundation of the house in order, what's going to happen is you're going to have troubles with your house. Somebody say amen. Anybody ever experienced foundational issues in a home? Listen, I remember one time we were looking. I always have my dad go with me because he's like this genius. Uh, so if I'm going to look for a house, I have my dad go with me because he'll walk in and he'll be like, oh, there's termites there. Or he'll be like, that's there. I remember one time we walked in this home and he, we walked in literally seven seconds into us walking in the home. He goes, oh, man, there's foundational issues here. And I was like, how do you know there's foundational issues? He says, you see that crack right going up that sheetrock right there? And then as we were walking in, I saw that same crack out in the brick. And, and he, he, listen, the found, when the foundation is not set in order, you're going to have issues. And just like in our home and when we're building a house and we're building a home, if your spiritual foundation has got cracks in it, what you're going to find is that your spiritual life has got issues. You may not even know and see and understand those issues at this very moment. But I'm telling you, if you don't build the foundation the way that the foundation has got to be built, what you're going to find is that there's cracks in your sheetrock and there's cracks in your brick and there's cracks in the, in the concrete foundation. And what we have to do is either tear that baby down and start to rebuild or you get somebody that knows how to fix the foundation and they get in there and they work on it until it can get fixed. And it's the same exact thing with your spiritual life. Jesus goes into depth on this in Matthew chapter 7. Here's what he says. Verses 24 through 27. He says, anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Everybody say solid rock. Though the rains come and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it was built on bedrock. But, everybody say but. But. Anyone who hears my teachings and doesn't obey it is foolish like a person who builds a house on sand. Everybody say sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. This is essentially what this entire series has been about. Getting us back to the basics, setting the right foundation in our spiritual life. So that even if our culture changes, because we know that culture is always changing, even if our our friends change and our families change and the people that are around us have changed, even if our circumstances change and everything in the world around us is changing, we do not change on what we believe because we're standing on bedrock. That's what Jesus is talking about, setting 
our foundation. I've really loved this series so far. I'm going to keep preaching it. The Lord's been giving me some more stuff, and I'm really excited about what's coming in the near future. In fact, I'll give you some. I'm going to preach on prayer, and y'all, we're going to experience some powerful prayer. Uh, Pastor Kevin's going to come and preach on the cross and the foundational piece of the cross. Then I'm going to come back and preach on the blessed hope. Y'all, I'm, I'm stoked. You don't want to miss the next several weeks. This is foundational pieces of our faith that, you, that cannot have cracks in it. Somebody say amen. So far, what we've looked at, we've talked about connecting in the body of Christ and how we become more powerful, we become more equipped, and we become more protected when we're connected together. And if we're not connected together, what we find is that we're less powerful, we're less equipped, and we're less protected. Somebody say amen. Then we talked about worship. And we saw how Romans chapter 12 tells us that the acceptable way and the way that we please God in our worship is by giving our bodies to God for all that he's done for us. And we looked at two different forms of worship. One of them is verbal worship. We worship the Lord with our mouth. We praise him. We shout to his name. We give him glory. We share what God has done. And the second one is by our actions. The Bible tells us that we we have actions of worship by doing good and sharing with those in need. Somebody say amen. Amen. When we do those things, we are worshiping the Lord. And then last week, we talked about obedience. I'm going to be honest. Last week was quiet in here. I need you all to help me out this week. Last week, I didn't feel like I had a lot of help. I need some backup. We talked about obedience. And listen to me. This is so good. We talked about when we obey God, God has blessings that he wants to pour out on his people. Somebody say amen. And when we disobey God, even if we don't like it, the Bible says that he pours out cursings on his people. Somebody say amen. Amen. (laughs) Let me give you some encouragement this morning. Hey, listen, God will never curse a person that's living in obedience. And he will also never bless a person that's living in disobedience. Now, Satan might try to bless them. And he may try to make it look like to us that their life is blessed. But God's not ever going, look at your Bible. God's not ever going to bless someone living in disobedience or curse someone living in obedience. Somebody say amen. Amen. Okay, now let's jump in today. This is where we're going. Today I want to talk to you about one of the most basic truths in the Bible. And that is forgiveness. Let me just go ahead and say there's so many different directions that you can go when talking about forgiveness. There's God's forgiveness to us. Anybody thankful that you've been forgiven? There's our forgiveness to others. Being forgiven by others. Our ability to forgive ourselves. I mean, that's four whole sermons right there. Every single one of those are extremely important and essential for the life of a Christian person. You know what I've also noticed? Typically when you hear a message preached about forgiveness, kind of the lens that the message is preached is it's almost like this negative, like in your face, like guilt tripping you into, into forgiving someone. Anybody ever notice that? Like, if you don't get forgiven by God, you're going to burn in hell. Anybody ever heard that one? Or like, is, and y'all can help me out because the Bible does say this. If you don't forgive someone else, you can't be forgiven. And so, so many times we've heard these messages preached like, like uh, in our face, like you better forgive them because if you don't forgive somebody, you're not going to be forgiven. And y'all, that's true. 
even though that, that stinks, it's true. That's kind of the lens that we see forgiveness so many times. So a lot of times we try to forgive someone not really in the right spot in our heart. We try to forgive someone because we want God to forgive us, dadgummit. Amen? And so this morning, what I want to do is I'd like to start this kind of on a different lens. Okay? Because I don't want you to try to forgive someone just because you're going to go to hell if you don't. I don't want you to forgive somebody because you want God to forgive you. See, there's, there's also another lens that we can look at this with. And forgiveness is also a very, very positive thing, y'all. Because if you look at it this way, what you receive when you've been forgiven and what you receive when you can get that out of you and forgive a different person is so good. It's the most liberating experience that a person can discover. Can anybody agree with that? So this morning, if you're taking notes, I'd like to share with you three thoughts on the topic of forgiveness and unforgiveness. Number one is this, y'all. Forgiveness releases us from the guilt and condemnation of our sins and our wrongdoings. Listen to this. And it replaces it with incredible joy. Anybody ever found yourself living in guilt and shame? Listen, what forgiveness does is it replaces that guilt and shame with joy. I don't know about you, but that sounds good to me. Listen, let me show you probably the best example of this in the Bible. How many of y'all have ever heard of a man by the name of David? Y'all know David had issues, right? Y'all know y'all got issues too. Well, in Psalm chapter 32, David talks about what, what happens inside of him when he receives forgiveness from God. And I want to go over this with you. If you have your Bible, turn to Psalms chapter 32. And here's what it says. We're going to read verses 1 through 5. If you don't have your Bibles, you can read it on the screen. Here's what it says. I love this, y'all. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those who record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Anybody ever felt like that before? Finally, I confessed all of my sins to you. I stopped trying to hide my guilt and I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me and all of my guilt is gone. Anybody ever felt like David in the first part of these verses? Anybody ever experienced that forgiveness where you got to feel that all of my guilt is gone? This side's a lot louder than this side. I'm going to hang out over here. Can you imagine with me just, just for a second being David 
and all of the mistakes that he made and all of the shame that he's carried and all of the guilt that he's carried in the presence of God when he confessed that, when he was finally able to go, God, it was my fault. God, I'm the one that screwed up. God, I confess and I give it to you. Boom. It is released. Can you imagine that? With I can imagine it. You know how I can imagine it? Because I've experienced it. I can remember like yesterday being 19 years old. And I, well, <laughs> come on, y'all, I'm only 35. I can remember like yesterday, y'all. I can remember the guilt that I was carrying, the shame that I was carrying. I was carrying guilt because of my drug use. I was carrying shame because I showed people that I hated church and I wanted nothing to do with God. I was carrying this guilt of how I treated my wife. I was carrying all this around and I wanted to change, but it took me going before the Lord and going, I'm the one that's been an idiot. Would you take it off of me? I confess my stupidity. And when I did that, the joy that overwhelmed my soul, I could write my own psalm because of the joy that God gave me. I got to experience what Psalms 103 says, that he removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. And what Isaiah 43, 25 says, that he remembered my sin no more. In Isaiah 1, 8, this says, and though your sins are scarlet, he's made it white as snow. When you get to experience that, what happens is you are unlocked of the shame and the guilt from your past stupidity and God just pours on you joy. Man. So what happens when you experience forgiveness, it's not just all a bad thing, y'all. If you don't forgive someone, you're going to hell. Listen to me. When you forgive someone, there's something that happens in you that is well worth it. And when you're forgiven by God, what takes place in your soul? Joy and joy and joy. You have given. Oh, I'm not going to. Never mind. <clears throat> Y'all, my voice did something. Let me take a drink. You know why you experience joy? Listen to me. Because you're no longer carrying the burdens of unforgiveness. Whew. You've been set free. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Amen. So then we experience like this honeymoon stage with God. Anybody ever felt like, like all you get is joy? Like he saved me, I'm going home. And <laughs> you just got this joy going on inside. You got a honeymoon going on with God. And then y'all something happens. You know what happens? You're made of flesh. And because you're made of flesh, even in the middle of this honeymoon stage, enjoy, we do something stupid. Anybody ever been there? You do something stupid. You hurt someone that you love. You hurt your spouse. You do something to your kids. And what happens is what, because of our mistakes and we mess up and we break God's heart or we break somebody else's heart, what happens is now because of that guilt of your mistake, Satan is able to begin to steal the joy that you received when you were forgiven and replace that joy with more guilt and more shame 
because of the dumb things that you've done. Listen, what we have to understand is we're always going to do dumb things. And we can always walk in and experience forgiveness. Just learn from your dumb things, y'all. Amen? So we're having this honeymoon time with God and then we do something stupid. And we hurt somebody and David found himself in this exact same place. In Psalms 32, he experienced this forgiveness and then he did some really dumb things, y'all. He's human. And then we get to Psalms chapter 51 and we see this, this guilt and this shame that's built up in David. I want to read it to you. Verses one through 12. This is David talking to God. And here's what he says. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stains of my sin. Wash me and clean me from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. Anybody ever been there? For I recognize my rebellion and it haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone I have sinned. I have done what's evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say when your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment that my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb. Teach me wisdom even there. Teaching me wisdom even there. Listen to verse 7. Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You've broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sin. Remove the stains of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart. Oh God, renew the loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Verse 12, last one. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Two times. He prays, God, restore that joy, the joy of your salvation, the joy that I have when I walk in forgiveness. Listen, church family, unforgiveness robs us of our joy, but forgiveness releases the joy of the Lord in our hearts. And even though it's our mess, everybody say my mess. First John chapter one and verse nine says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and clean us from all unrighteousness. Listen, when I say unforgiveness steals our joy, I could tell you a thousand stories even after I got saved. A thousand stories of how unforgiveness in my life stole my joy. Even as a Christian, even walking with the Lord, I have found seeds of unforgiveness planted in me that I allowed to be planted in me against somebody for doing, doing me dirty? Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah. I have found seeds inside of myself for me not wanting to forgive Josh because I failed God. And I, even as a Christian, Loving God, seeds of these unforgiveness that if I do not pluck those seeds out and get rid of them, I will continue to walk in guilt and shame. Forgiveness releases that guilt and shame. I could tell you story after story. 
every one of these forms of forgiveness steal our joy. And then through forgiveness, we can get it back. Number two, unforgiveness robs us of our peace. Anybody ever felt like you just had a war going on in your mind? Anybody ever felt like maybe you're going a little crazy? I've been there every day. (laughs) Just kidding, not every day. Listen, forgiveness, listen to me this morning. Forgiveness releases peace inside of us where unforgiveness robs us of our peace. Listen to me. Unforgiveness is not a way of punishing somebody else. Because here's what you will find. They are never being punished. You are being punished by trying to punish them. Unforgiveness is never a good plan to retaliate against another person because all unforgiveness does is it puts a heavy burden of guilt and shame on you and it does nothing to them. They're good. What unforgiveness does is only to me. You're wanting to punish them and make them feel bad and really you're the only one feeling bad. Hey, another way that we can know that unforgiveness steals our peace is because unforgiveness places our mind and our body in a constant state of fight mode. Fight me, bro. Anybody ever been there? It's just, I want to forgive somebody, but every, every time I think of what they did, I just want to punch them in the face. Or maybe just kick them in the kneecap. <laughs> Anybody ever been there? As a matter of fact, listen, the more that I replay this in my head and my heart, the more angry I become, the more unsettled it makes me and agitated my spirits become. And then I understand that I have surrendered my peace for aggravation. Listen, I can't have peace and joy in this situation because it's constantly making me want to fight somebody. And if you find yourself there, it means you've got some seeds of unforgiveness that need to be ripped out. Unforgiveness robs us of peace and it puts us in fight mode. Listen to these scriptures. These are beautiful. Colossians chapter three and verse 13. It says, make allowances for each other's faults. Everybody go, oof. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you and you must forgive others. Hey, can I be honest with you? I've done way worse to God than anybody's ever done to Josh. And God still forgave me. And because of his love and his forgiveness, he's called me to act like him. And if I'm acting like him, that means it doesn't matter what somebody else does against me. I have to forgive them. Let me share one more scripture with you. It's um, Ephesians chapter four, verses 31 and 32. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ Jesus has forgiven you. Y'all, sometimes that's hard. Amen? 
But when you get to experience that, again, the joy that overfloods your soul. Do not allow unforgiveness to rob you of your peace and your joy. Listen to me. Choose right now to make allowances for others' fault. Choose to get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, and all types of evil behavior. And choose to remember that God forgave me and I'm going to forgive everyone that hurts me. Number three, the last thought for this morning. Unforgiveness embitters our souls. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15 says this. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Now listen to me. Listen to me, church family. Big deal here. We have got to be very careful because if we allow unforgiveness to sit inside my soul, what happens is I become bitter. And you know what happens when I become bitter? When I become bitter, what happens is, well, I used to be a person with good fruits, love and joy and peace because of the forgiveness that I received. But now if I become bitter because I cannot forgive someone, even though maybe I think that I'm giving love and joy and peace, there is a bitterness that comes out of me. Stay with me. And when a bitterness is coming out of me, then everyone that I'm coming in contact with is experiencing that bitterness. And so if bitterness is coming out of Josh and my mom is hearing my bitterness, guess what? Mom's going to get bitter either towards me or she's going to get bitter towards whoever I'm bitter to. You know what that scripture said? Here's what it said. I don't know. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. If I'm not careful, I can take my unforgiveness and I can put my unforgiveness inside of Keith. And now he's got unforgiveness towards this person. And I can put my unforgiveness in Cody and and, and all the other people that are around me. I can take my bitterness and I can corrupt many. Wow. Sweet Jesus, I'm going to leave that alone. So then I take my bitterness and I mess up other people's fruits. Listen, I have got to be careful. My unforgiveness does not just affect me. My unforgiveness affects me. It affects my family. It affects the people that are my friends. It affects everyone that I love. So what do I do? I get rid of all bitterness. That can happen, y'all. If we allow ourselves to, that can happen. Listen, church family, church family watching online, listen to me. Do not allow a seed of unforgiveness to take root in your heart, in your mind, or in your spirit, because it will destroy you and it will destroy those that you love. In closing, I want to share with you a story real quickly. When I was a kid, my dad used to build houses. And in the Pope family, we work. So it doesn't matter if you're three or five or seven or however old. 
If you're in a diaper, you can walk, you can work. And so I can remember going on to job sites. And when you got, how many of you have ever been on a job site where it's like a new build or you're remodeling? There's, there's crap everywhere, y'all. And so sometimes there's, there's old wood that had to be torn out because it was rotten. And sometimes this wood has to go to the fire because it's no good. And this wood has to be organized over here. So as kids, we're running around job sites, picking up and organizing and, and all of this kind of stuff. Y'all have been working since I was about four. <laughs> just, just kidding. Uh, well, kind of kidding. But anyways, um, so I can remember as a little kid being on job sites and like going to pick up wood and not paying a lot of attention and just kind of farting around and boom, you get this big splinter in your hand. Anybody ever had a big splinter? So as a kid, that's like a big deal, you know, like, oh my gosh, you know, I got this big splinter in my hand. And, and so now I'm, I'm running over to dad and dad's like, babe, I can get that splinter out of your hand. I want to get that splinter out of your hand. You know, what, you know what my dad wanted for us? He wanted the pain to go away. He didn't want his kids to be living in this pain of this gigantic splinter being in our hand. So what dad does, I'm running over him and I'm bawling. I'm like, get this thing. You know what I'm talking about? And so what he does is he pulls out his pocket knife and I go, no, no. Anybody ever been there? So he pulls out his pocket knife and I changed my mind. I do not want the splinter out of my finger. I'm seven years old. Leave me alone with the knife. And so I take off running and he's like, what do you, you don't want me to take it? Josh, if you'll just let me take the splinter out, you won't hurt anymore. Okay, well, you ain't using that. Well, I can't get it if you don't allow me to use this. I got to cut it out. I got to get it away. Now listen to me. There was some times where I waited days to get a splinter out of my finger, which is so stupid. You know why? Because when I finally went to him and he was able to get the splinter out of my finger, boom, instantly the pain was gone. And that's all that he wanted for me. He didn't force me to do it, but he was there whenever I was ready to cut away and get rid of that splinter that was causing me pain. Listen to me, church family right now. Unforgiveness is just like that splinter. And God is up there and he's ready to cut away and he's ready to take that unforgiveness out of your life. And he's got the knife and we're looking up going, no, 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 I want to hold on to it. Wait just a second. I don't know that I'm ready to get rid of it. And God's like, if you will just let me get the dead gum splinter out of your life, then you will feel better and you'll have joy and you'll have peace and the pain will be gone. But if you hold on to it, I'm not going to make you do it. It's your choice. Can I be honest with you this morning? There's probably tons of people in this room that their seeds of unforgiveness that have been planted maybe at a young age, maybe recently, maybe that you don't even know about what I've been praying is God exposed things in our life that are causing us guilt, that are causing us shame, that are stealing our joy and our peace and allow us to give you the green light to come down and cut that junk out of our lives so that we no, no longer have to live in guilt and shame and we can experience the peace and the joy that we receive in forgiveness. Would you stand with me this morning?
I want to invite the worship team to come and join me up on the stage. Listen to me, church family. God's not going to force us to receive his forgiveness. And God's not going to force us to forgive other people. Just like every other topic that we've been studying this month, it's our choice. But what you need to know is when you give it up and experience that forgiveness, it releases all of that guilt and all of that shame and all of that heaviness. And what it replaces us with is joy and peace. The choice is up to you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? Altar team, I'm gonna ask you guys to step out and come and just begin to pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I wanna pray, Heavenly Father, I pray right now that you would begin to prepare our hearts to receive what you have for us to receive this morning. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you know that you need to be at the altar, maybe, maybe you need to experience God's forgiveness for you. Maybe he's forgiven you before, but you've messed up and you've messed up and you're walking with this heaviness and you're shackled with guilt and shame. God wants to release that today. Maybe someone has hurt you and you've been holding that in and you've tried and you've tried and you've tried and you've went to God and you've seen him get ready and it just scared you and you didn't know how to handle it and so you didn't allow him to cut it away. Maybe you're here and you have not forgiven yourself. Every head bowed and every eye closed, we're gonna start singing this song in just a second. And I'm asking you, church family, can we make this place a house of worship and praise and a house of prayer? If you need time to come and find a place to get along with Jesus, or if you need to come and experience something new, if you need prayer, if you want someone to join with you, don't wait. Don't walk out of here. If God, is, if God is doing something in your heart, don't walk out of here and not receive what he has for you this morning. When we start to play this song, I just want to invite you to step out and come. Right now. Right now, as they're getting ready, as they're playing, if, if, if God's been stirring in you and speaking to you this morning, would you step out and come? Either come get alone with Jesus or come allow somebody to pray with you.